0: hello darling troublemakers luca here from the how not pod and we are back welcome to this special archive episode featuring a chat i had back in january 2021 with the wonderful zosa cole i originally recorded this chat for my mailing list subscribers but decided that the world needs to hear it so we'll be sharing a couple of these cute little archive episodes to ease into our grand return more on that soon one last thing Please excuse the awful sound quality. This was recorded early, early lockdown days before we'd all figured out how to be these home studio professionals that we are now. So yes, okay, enjoy. Punk DIY, we love it. Zosa Cole, love, love, love. See you soon. Kim sends our love, by the way. We'll be back soon. Mwah. Keep troublemaking. Bye. I'm start recording now and I'll do my my little intro bit. are you recording it on
1: zoom by
0: the way no i'm actually recording it on my phone okay cool because then i can edit it easier
1: okay cool no worries
0: it should be grand um it's all very diys also it's all very punk rock you know you know me i'm not i'm not ever gonna do anything professionally and clean
1: You need to you need to get get people surrounding you who's who's got all the all
0: the gear. Mate, here. I said I I put in the bio. I was like, if anyone wants to sponsor a tech team, just send me an email. You know, like <laughs> otherwise, this is the quality that you're getting. Do you know what I mean? Um, I don't I don't have time to do things properly. Fuck's sake! Um, <laughs> right, you know you know when it's your time to shine, my love. Here we go. Hello and welcome back to, I still have no idea what I'm calling this, but welcome back anyways. I decided to start this because my favourite bit of any night is when the bulk of the party is left and those that remain all clamber into one room and have that one drink too many. Often a weird concoction of whatever has been left in the cupboard. This is where the real conversation begins. Confessions, obsessions, declarations and simply putting the world to rights. And I often wake up wishing I'd recorded some of these wonderful conversations with my weird and eccentric friends. So I decided I'd do just that and offer you, my lovely mailing listers, the chance to sit in on the action. So if you haven't caught last week's episode, it'll still be up. It's with the wonderful Steph Burrell, but I'm very excited that today I'm joined by Zosa Cole. Zosa Cole is somewhat of a treasure on the UK jazz scene, as well as being an incredible saxophonist, he is a kind, intelligent and genuine person who is well loved by many of us. Zosa won BBC Young Jazz Musician of the Year in 2018 and has since gone on to win both Parliamentary Jazz and Jazz FM awards. Zosa leads his own quartet and has appeared in various contexts performing throughout the UK jazz scene. When Zosa talks about jazz, I get excited. He has such an honest relationship to this music and we shared a lot of common interests. Most recently, we discovered our shared love of the Cuban heel boot. So here he is. Zosa Cole, how you doing?
1: Hello, hello, hello. I'm good, thank you. Um, Holding up, bunkered down, as all of, um, you know, (laughs) as all of us are at the minute. But just trying to, uh, you know, keep creative and keep positive and keep productive, you know, that's that's Mm. the key for me.
0: Have you found that, that, easy or quite difficult to stay creative in this time
1: well to be honest with you for me it's kind of been forced upon me in some ways because i've you know i don't think we've spoken about this but in the past couple of um you know months i've had some issues with rsi and they've kind of come to a front this past i don't know two weeks or whatever kind of just since just before christmas um, and so, you know, obviously playing the horn is, is is not something I can do For hours and hours a day Which I used to, you know, that used to be the way Especially in the start of lockdown That was how I was spending all my time mm. So I'm having to be really creative about how I stay productive Trying to be, you know Keep on top of the writing And also I've, I was fortunate to have a lesson with um, John O'Gallagher, an amazing New York mm. Alto saxophonist And we kind of talked about practicing away from the horn So lots of very kind of head heavy practice you know essentially trying to connect to the ear to the uh the mind to the ear to the voice to the, the kind of think you know
0: yeah this is so interesting because we've we've not you know we keep in touch but we've not talked about this and i'm in a really similar position musically right now as well um mm-hmm. where i i you know i'm i feel like i'm having a lot of problems with my voice and um, a lot of strain and a lot of I can't practice for long periods of time um, and I'm yet to see if it's anything physical going on but I highly doubt it I think it's related to stress and anxiety Um mm-hmm. so a kind of psychosomatic thing going on um, because when I do get up and sing in a gig context I feel so free and it, you know the music takes over but Um, it's really hard to to not get in your own head about these things when you are suffering from you know I've had focal fatigue in the past or RSI um, and it's Mm -hmm. trying to understand well one not letting it get you down because I think your instrument is so personal to you that if you can't Mm -hmm. do that then you feel like shit you know Um, so I really (laughs) you know I I appreciate that it'll have been difficult and but also as you say like just trying to remain creative away from the instrument in a way, you know, like someone, a vocal teacher I have told me recently, it's amazing thing that she'd discovered where there'd been some kind of study on songbirds done. And mm-hmm. basically what they'd found is that the the larynx reacts when it hears other voices. So there's a, there's an actual physical reaction in, a, in my voice if mm-hmm. I'm listening to another singer. So it kind of proves mm-hmm. that you don't need to be... Singing all the time or playing all the time to to be in touch with your musicality. Um, I just thought that was really really interesting. But um, yeah, that's
1: like like yeah, it's like live stream. Um, <laughs> I'm just thinking about live stream transcription. You know, like that kind of emulating physically and want well, not to get too kind of geeky for your music listeners. Although I I imagine they'll probably be you know interested in some of this. You know, one of the the or some of the work I've been doing is kind of for me, I find imagination and imagining sounds very difficult. You know, a lot of people can really crisply hear music in their head. For me, that's something I find quite difficult. I have, you know, it's it's one of those things where you, if you've got a deficiency in one area, you know, other areas will be up. So my mm. relative pitch is quite strong, you know. But to imagine pitch, I find really difficult. So some of the stuff I've been working on, which I'm sure you'd be interested in as well, is like listening to drones and hearing you know starting out by really trying to hear every pitch against it Mm. you know what i mean but without without singing it you know what i mean just hearing it in your head and then also trying to hear the timbre of your voice or the saxophone for me and then the other one is like trying to sing every scale against that pitch yeah so you know c major against the c drone f major against the c drone right through to like Um, You know, A major Over a C C drone drone.
0: Yeah, this is really Where did you get that from? Because I know that Michael Mayo Do you know Michael Mayo? The singer? I don't know No, Um, He's incredible He's very kind of like Hip at the moment Everyone's kind of into him But he's an American Mm. singer That teaches in that way Um, So if you have a lesson with him He will put on a C drone And get you to sing all the intervals All chromatically Mm. And then it'll get to the stage of singing D major over the C drone. Um, we've gone all musical geeky, but I love it. I mean, that that is ultimately the best development for your ears, isn't it? Because then when you do sing something super um, in, super kind of diatonic, you're going to be bang on every time because you've gone so far out that, you know, and you have yeah, the option of going out it, as well. Yeah.
1: I was just going to say, all these things are super applicable to everything, man. You know, it's like it's it's just it's interesting to get into the minds of people who you. As you, I think this this series is a great thing because you get these little nuggets of how people are approaching, and even if it's not a direct rip, there'll be things that you take from it that you yeah. can apply in very different circumstances. You know.
0: Yeah. Also, I guess just to share our our experiences because that's so. You know, for example, like you having the RSI thing and me having these vocal. Issues. It's like I think quite often it's hard to talk about still Even in the age of like looking after yourself and whatever And you know mm-hmm. no, no kind of blame or shame It still feels very personal to me and hard to, to say to other musicians That actually I'm struggling a bit with Or I, I don't fancy singing much because it feels like shit or whatever You know and it's it's still mm-hmm. difficult There's still a barrier there So it's really great to to talk to people about it I think
1: Definitely, definitely, Mum. Yeah. I like the excuse. <laughs> uh,
0: absolutely. I'm the same. Oh. I'm like, sorry, I can't do anything today. Um,
1: <laughs> I've actually, like, there's been a, I mean, there's been a few times I've just had to use it. I mean, obviously, I can kind of play sometimes and there are definitely things I'm looking forward to, but it's also good to have it. And I think this is one of the things that's come out of the lockdown, is people having a bit more control over, a bit more self-autonomy in yes. terms of what they engage with. Yes. You know what I mean? Because we're so used to, especially in London, you know, The rat race thing of just, yes, 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 yes. And when you take a step out of that, it's like, oh, hang on a minute, you know, is this something I want to engage in? Is this something I want to engage in? Is this right for me right now? You know what I mean? Yeah. Okay, yeah, this is the thing that I'm really passionate about, which, you know, I'm picking and choosing rather than being being too, I mean, I'm the worst culprit for it, but just, you know, yes, man, you know.
0: Oh, same, same. I've really found that as well, like, in the lockdown, just really wanting to take a lot of elements of my life right now into new life, you know? Um, Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Because it is, it's really important. I was the same. I was a real yes, yes, man. And I think, yeah, allowing time for yourself where you actually do Mm. nothing or just do things that you you really want is so important and will ultimately mean that the things that you do say yes to get more time and get more attention you know rather than trying Mm -hmm. to do everything and being scatty you know we all know life as a musician can get a bit like that where you're just like you've clearly committed to too much and everything suffers in a way um and there's times where we get through it you know but um to live constantly like that is just gonna wear you wear you out isn't it
1: yeah, I think that's, that's one of the key things for me is like, and I've been thinking about this quite a lot over the past couple of months is like, and you said something earlier about, you know, your eccentric friends. And, you know, one of the, I would say, negative results of having so many people with their fingers in so many different pies who are well rounded musicians. Obviously, we all aim to be well rounded. But if you imagine a scene of musicians that are all very well rounded, compared to a scene of eccentric people who are all on a really specific thing or really getting deep into something. The two results of those are worlds apart. You know, the music that we love and, you know, a time period that I'm particularly passionate about, you know, in the in the States, in New York, in Harlem, whatever. You've got a lot of very eccentric characters with a lot of different perspectives and, and viewpoints. They weren't all trying to be very well-rounded, you know what I yeah. mean? It's easy for us to get into that slipstream of... I want to be able to do this, 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 and this. And actually, there's some level of dilution that happens as a result. So yeah. Obviously, we can be informed by different disciplines and different perspectives, but how much more vibrant would the scene be of individuals who are really searching and striving for their particular thing, you know who what I mean? Themselves. then the catalyst of those coming together.
0: Whew, you know. Do you think that perhaps that's partly due to I'm going to say something slightly provocative, but how jazz education is shaped and in, in certainly in the country that we study, you know, where it is... I do feel like I have to be everything and good at everything mm-hmm. in order to become a successful, well-rounded jazz musician. You know, I need to... Mm be able to do you know play bebop and then sing contemporary kenny wheelerisms and then sing brazilian music and then do funk and then you know it's like it is a bit like that's that's very like genre generalizations but just in the sense of like having your finger in all these pies and trying to work in all these neat like sub scenes you know it can be very demanding to the point where you're like well is this me you know or am i just me that's into this thing or a few of those things and Perhaps it's the pressures coming from outside rather than inside to be all of these things.
1: Yeah, I think there's a few different factors that really, um, you know, contribute to these things. And I think the college thing is definitely an example of those things, and maybe it in a very pronounced way. But also, we've got a lot of, you know, if you think about contemporary. The the identity of contemporary British jazz is we've got, we've kind of we've got an identity struggle. You know what I mean? Because we're trying to, and I think that a lot of what we're talking about is basically a symptom of that identity struggle. You know, we're in a balance of trying to understand the roots and the heritage of what music we're trying to engage with. We're also trying to grapple with a hundred years of recorded music. That's a lot of music. You know yeah. what I mean? And, and and then the other thing is like how do we um how, how how do we manage you know pursuing something does pursuing something look like trying to you know gather things i think that's a very very english thing that the 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 idea of possession and the idea of gathering things and 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 the ownership of things basically and that for me this is on a subtle level kind of a a permutation of that you know what i mean so it's like us trying to gather and collect and, and take ownership of things. And actually, if there's, for me, I'm trying to get, to, and I think this is something that all British jazz musicians, I think probably most most jazz musicians, full stop, but I, I can speak as a British person, and I don't exclude myself from this conversation as well, is that we have to have long, hard chats with ourselves about how we relate to what it is we're engaging with. Mm-hmm. I, you know, I'm, I'm studying at Trinity at the moment, and we had one of the open days with you know, some of the the young students who are coming in first year. And, uh, you know, one of them asked this question. and I was like, college is an example of those things. And obviously there's syllabuses and there's a curriculum and there's this, that and the other. But ultimately, ultimately, if you're serious about it, this question is much bigger than the college thing. The college thing is obviously a big part of the conversation. And definitely, I would say, you know, has a lot of um, capacity and power, especially when you think about the output and the, the amount of very talented young musicians on the scene that have come through the college environment. But one of the things that I've always, well, definitely more recently, I've said is there's a lot of unlearning that has to happen, um, certainly from myself and, and and many of my close peers, about the, the lessons that we learn, not not consciously that we're told, but actually learn through a behaviour, mm. you know, our relationship to things. So I think it takes a lot of courage to step away from the... Ownership thing. It takes a lot of courage to have the humility to bec- become a novice in some yeah, yeah, and really pursue that thing. So, um, I, but but that's that's what I'm trying to strive for now. You know,
0: it's interesting because I think at the end of the day, if you go and study at conservatoire and mm. you're studying jazz, um, you're you are, you know, you're you're it's an institution at the end of the day. That has all the baggage and systemic issues of institutions in the UK today. So, I think that you know that has become perhaps more prevalent, but it's it's it is a symptom of going to study at conservatoire, and we need to, you know, begin to unpick a lot of what what is laying there for quite a long time and become quite stuck. Um, mm. But perhaps I don't know because you came later to college than some people like i'm i'm still doing my undergrad but you're doing are you doing a post-grad or are you doing an undergrad i can't remember
1: no i had a bit of a a, a mismatch <laughs> um or an in and out or whatever you want to call it roundabout trip in terms of you know formal education and yeah. the jazz thing which I'm, I'm from hindsight definitely very grateful for yeah i think what we have is a lot of and and uh, you know i went into birmingham Conservatoire when i was 19 so i had mm. one gap year and at the time, I thought, oh, one gap year is a long time for me to kind of get my head straight. But I find myself. A, <laughs> you know what I mean. Um, you know, there was still a, a very heavy, you know, bit. Of, you know, I was still bit, at the time. I mean, I'm naive now, but at the time, I, you know, I'm very, you know, from hindsight, very aware of how naive I was at the time. Then, and I think a lot of young musicians come into into college the first time. You know, I was it wasn't the right time for me, you know, and I don't think it's the right time for many musicians to come in. I went back into college when I was twenty two or twenty three or something and um actually, at that point you know i I'd kind of learnt a lot of lessons about or i had a i had a strongest foundational sense of the co- kind of more social political these kind of things and the institution thing rather than being you know dough-eyed or whatever the, whatever the term is you know as as you find a lot of, uh young musicians are what i will say is like being now having studied in two different places and and ha- have a bit more of a round perspective on things you know and and the way of moving forward for me i do think trinity is doing a, a great job at the minute i think there is more of a sense of community there than there has been i think obviously the input of a new new head of Mm. course helps to bring a fresh perspective into you know and 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 definitely bring certain changes about that that we that you know develop over the you know over decades of 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 leadership basically so um and that and that to me looks like more diversity looks like more of a mentorship vibe as opposed to teachers and students because i think that's what one of the one of the Challenges that we face is when, when we're in an environment where it's very much a teachers and students thing is there's the teachers who are the, you know, the, the gatekeepers, as it were, or the people in the position of understanding and the students who need to get to that place but in the grander scheme of things you know all of all of the teachers and students themselves and i'm sure they would say the same yeah but there's not necessarily an understanding of that from the student's perspective you know what i mean
0: yeah there's there shouldn't be as much us and them it should be more a collaborative mm-hmm. practice of us all figuring out what this music means to us and
1: yeah and I that's really why you need it. young teachers in the in the yeah, colleges as well yeah, because yeah. there's great talent and and the, and then it comes more of a you see it more of a, as a community you
0: know Absolutely I think it's really admirable that you you know despite uh a kind of rocky start in the education your relationship with education you've went back and you've matured and you're really enjoying it and you're able to articulate how you feel about it I think that's just really cool Um, and I'm really glad for you, because we we all deserve, you know, a good experience of our education, I think it's a a human right, really, to have the right Mm. to access some some form of education, you know, Um, and Mm. I guess, like, going back, like, rewinding a little bit, but in terms of, like, you growing up and your musical journey, like, I know that, like, community music and, like, those sorts of initiatives were kind of vital for you to, like, grow Mm -hmm. as a young musician. And I thought it'd be interesting to talk a bit about that and just mention it because I think it's really important. And I think that for people that maybe don't know the importance of of these kind of situations, then, you know, hopefully we can Mm -hmm. shed a bit of light on that. So tell us a bit about that.
1: Yeah, well, I think it's, uh, you know, I always, I, I try to never to fail to mention, you know, the people that have, you know, opened so many doors for myself and have made certain things possible. I think to kind of, to keep it uh, brief and not give the whole life story, a good yeah. example, and, and what you say as well in terms of, you know, people's lack of awareness of these things. I never really thought about it from that perspective, but it, but it's, now that you say that, it's very, it's very clear to me. Now. I'm thinking about, um, you know, when I used to watch the, the young jazz musician, the BBC thing on the telly, you know, I saw a lot of people that didn't necessarily look like me or didn't necessarily come from the background that I was from, both, you know, um, ethnically and also socially and also, you know, financially and also in terms of their music education, you know. There's lots of people, especially in our scene who have, who have, and I'm not saying these are bad things by any stretch of the imagination, but they, they... Facilitate an, an amazing development of talent at a young age. So I'm talking about your teams and your pursels and yeah. your young, your junior academies and your junior, you know, basically conservatories and all this uh, stuff. And for me, looking at that from the from my perspective, you know, it, it, it's interesting this what you're saying about a lack of awareness of of that com- that community to my community. Mm. If you know what I mean, I, I've never really thought about it that way round, but. I was very, very lucky to be, because at the time I was thinking, you know, there's no, there's no realistic way that I'm going to be able to fulfill my capacity in terms of my potential to be able to make it onto something like the young j- jazz musician at that age. You know what I mean? You need a certain amount of investment financially and also in terms of your education, in terms of the instruments that you purchase, blah, 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 whatever. So I honestly always thought, you know, that's, a, not a step too far, but that's just not really within within grasp, you know. The reason that it did become in grasp for me was something that I was kind of ignorant to at the time or naive about at the time, which was the amount of input that I was able to benefit from personally from various different organisations and, and community groups and actually having a bit more of a, a patched kind of education was was hugely beneficial to me. I had a lot of input from lots of very different people. And I think growing up in inner city Birmingham in the time that I did there was a lot of investment in arts programs and you know your midland youth jazz orchestras your jazz lines your local music services who you know one-to-one sessions for free instrument loan for free and um like uh you know ensembles basically for free you know Mm -hmm. jazz ensemble whatever you know it was all accessible and not you know I always say that for me I'm kind of in some ways, a successful story of those kind of things. But actually, the reach of that is much further because all of my peers in all of those organisations, everyone who, so if I'm sitting on second flute or first flute, the person who's sitting on second flute, even if they didn't pursue music, which a lot of them didn't, the amount that, I mean, you just have to check the studies, man. There's countless studies to say how much music education can kind of um, improve someone's holistic outlook on, on education and also kind of socially you know yeah. you are talking about specifically jazz music and improvisation you know you're talking about community you're talking about communication you're talking about individual expression you're talking about study as well you know so um, absolutely, it's, it's, it's all in there basically
0: that's so beautiful to hear that i think you're so right you know you are a, a very good example of a success story for for this type of education but as you say for all the people that you know aren't publicly out there you know that they're a success story too and a product of the same thing and that's such a beautiful way to put it and also uh just wanted to say as well like you know I you know when you were saying that BBC Young Musician felt out of reach for you I think how incredible you know I was at the final in the audience that you won Mm. and your mum was sitting behind me actually which was just a total (laughs) yeah I never told you this but she was directly behind me and just I have never oh. felt the pride ooze out of someone that your mum had that night. It was beautiful. It was amazing. Um, oh, wow. But But, um, yeah, just incredible that there'll be people that have that same feeling that watch your final or have watched your final and just that inspires them. And I just think that's amazing. You know, for that's such a full circle thing, you know, from you having mm-hmm. felt that to then to go on and win it, um, not just take part, but to win the bloody thing, then there's, there's young folk that are going to be like, wow, I can really... I can do that. So, yeah, congrats. Mm. And, um, mm. yeah, beautiful. I was going to speak a bit about, you know, I think that you are such an asset to the scene um, in terms of sp- doing what you've been doing, really, and speaking about the music in an honest way. And we've kind of spoke about this briefly before in terms of the practice of empathy between us as a community in terms of, very quickly, no. Um yeah, you've been such an asset to the community in terms of like speaking about the music and how, you know, we can practice empathy to each other in the scene. So we're talking about how our identities and experiences intersect and how we can uh, very basically putting yourself in somebody else's shoes, understanding what baggage someone's bringing to that rehearsal room, to that gig, um, to that to college, you know, and just yeah practicing that empathy and but and what inspired you to share your thoughts about that so openly your experiences what what how did that happen for you
1: um well i think I think empathy is kind of the the key word here i am I'm, I'm in the process of like um do it, like planning basically for a workshop where we're talking about the blues and talking about kind of the history of the blues and and I think lots of people i i think lots of people are kind of Ignorant as to, oh, maybe that's a really, really harsh way of putting it, but I'm, you know, I'm, I'm rediscovering, you know, for me, a, an explanation of what, what and how the blues has come into existence. And the blues is all about, you know, for me anyway, and, and, you know, gathering bits of information from different people is ultimately about empathy. You know, you've got a community of African-American people who have really been through the mill of it. And let's say, you know, you stub your toe and I stub my toe. If we if we both have stubbed our toe, there's a level of empathy we can understand each other. You know what I mean. And if you stub your toe and I haven't stubbed my toe, you know, you could only tell me so much, and I wouldn't really be able to empathize with it. But this music is all about empathy. It's about understanding each other's struggles. The, the blues basically makes us aware of all the isms that permeate our society and all the all the kind of difficulties and strifes. And uh, I can't remember what that word is. What well, you know adversities that all of our different communities yeah. face basically yeah. you know and and blues is a, is a is a form of healing because by identifying those things you know you you, you kind of give someone the permission to understand that, that that their experience isn't just of their own you know mm. it's a communal thing now obviously as as someone speaking at the perspective of someone at the intersection you know of blackness and queerness for me there there's a level of um you know, a perspective that is not just one directional, if you know what I mean, because I'm not just looking at a subject from a black perspective. I'm also not just looking at it from a queer perspective. So there's an ability there or it's slightly easier to be less hypocritical because you see some of the, the you know, for, for example, misogyny that permeates the scene. But I also see a lot of I see the racism that permeates the the LGBT scene, you know, and right. I see, but particularly the G scene, you know what I mean? And it's like, it's it's it, there's a level of clarity, and and for me, it's not necessarily something that I have ever thought that I actively do. It's it's funny because some people, um, you know, my old school, for one example, you know, labelled me as a, <laughs> a black rights activist, and I never really as as associated with that. I never would would self declare myself that. I've always just identified, if anything, as a jazz musician. It's like, yeah. you know, you only have to read the books to to hear, you know, and, and I'm just trying to replicate what's, what, what's happening, basically. I'm trying to look at, especially people like Malcolm X and stuff, mm. you know, really trying to get under the skin of, of what change they were trying to incite. And, you know, we all know that the amazing vehicle that music can be to incite some of those changes. So for me... Clarity and transparency. It's, it's more about clarity and transparency yeah. to be honest with you, rather than pushing a particular prerogative. I mean, if people decide to listen, people decide to listen, but part of our, our role as well is is documenting. No, so we've oh, got to yeah. document it. All
0: you can do is is live your truth and tell your narrative, right? And mm-hmm. and react to th- what goes on around us. You know, I think that's mm-hmm. a really interesting way to put it and especially when you talk about activism and music and I think labels are label labels but um and it's people can pick them up and drop them all they want but ultimately all you can do as a creative person is tell your story and hope that mm-hmm. that it resonates with folk you know so mm-hmm. you know that's and and, and
1: that's also a, a courage thing there because if you're and it was it was interesting thinking about this in in the run up to you know our conversation and stuff and it's not it's it's something that it's interesting because for a lot of my friends I'm I'm one of the very few if only queer well not the only queer person they know but the only queer person that they know that's queer if you're not know I mean, right or, or right. Any, anything along the spectrum you know right and so it's funny because a lot of those of my friends know me as myself first or you know as a musician first. And there's, a le- and, and there's a level of respect there from, from that perspective. Mm. And then they found out about, you know, my sexuality or whatever. Yeah. And it's interesting because it, for, the, for them, it, rather than, it's kind of really hard to describe, but their, ch- their whole outlook has to change in order for me to exist. Do you know what I mean? It's right. not a sense of someone's coming into their life that is um, queer first or whatever, and then the, and then all those stereotypes, whatever, whatever, whatever. They've got this relationship with me and I imagine it's the same for a lot of the people who um, listen to my music or whatever and find out, you know, through whatever means. You know, I, I probably should be a sl- slightly more, um, you know, active about it, but actually part of no, me thinks why? it's better for me to be in this way where actually it's, cause it, cause it's a, it is a real challenge then for people. Because they absolutely, they because they, their, they already
0: have a, a connection with you as a human being, so mm-hmm, there's nothing mm-hmm. stopping that. And then, mm-hmm. everything that you are, um, what you know, in whatever way people discover who you are, then it's they already have that emotional tie to who you are through whatever way they've discovered you. So, you know, I think that's a really great way to look at it. And why, why should you have to, you know, nobody walks around with you know, heterosexual tied to their neck, you know, like some kind of stamp on their jacket. So, you know, it's, it's, it's up to everyone how much of themselves they outwardly present and define. And, you know...
1: I, I kind of see it as, like, passive activism, if that makes sense, mm. because it's surely by myself existing, especially in terms of my queerness, because the thing is, obviously, you've got to, you know, different isms have you know they're very different and they're also you know similar but one yeah. of the things about queerness is it's something that's not necessarily always on the surface you know right. so people can something, and that's a very active form of you know activism yeah whereas for myself you know every now and again i just re- have to remind people or do remind people through the work that i do or whatever yeah don't forget all those you know the, these people that you've got a kind of you're humming and hiring about i'm part of that community yeah, you know yeah. what I mean? so it's passive activism is it's a reminder and i think in some ways you know we need lots of different types of activism and i'm happy to be this is this is i definitely see the benefits of this and this is where i'm very comfortable because i'm like comfortable in my own skin not particularly um you know outwardly effeminate or masculine need shame about neither. um you know aspects of my car- character and for others, then there has to be because because that, that's basically activism is trying to change the internal workings of other people, right? And their outlook, and their perceptions, and their you know prejudices, or whatever. So if you if your existence confronts them with that, you know what I mean. That's that's in some ways is the most powerful way of of, of going making
0: about it. actual change. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Hold on. Um, so just the last thing that I would love to know for now is who inspires you creatively musically personally just give me give me some mm-hmm. that inspire you um, um, it
1: for me it's uh, I think a lot of people find inspiration in, in particular in particular people but you know for me I I must I, I find that I'm inspired but, or I try and be inspired You know, I think in a time when we're, you know, so scattered and skitty and everything's changed all the time or whatever, I'm at this point now where I'm trying to really focus in where, you know, where I'm at at a specific time and really have connections with the people that I'm speaking to. So, really, most of the conversations that I'm able to have with people, you know, bring out a level of inspiration in me, even if those conversations are challenging, you know.
0: Absolutely. Obviously,
1: a lot of my, you know, a lot of our role models are. You know, the people that we would consider the greats. Um, Sally Rollins specifically, um, for myself personally. But it's 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 really I always find this question difficult because it's more of a feeling of I'm I'm trying to get closer to the people that I'm inspired by. Absolutely. You know I mean? so no
0: I got and- asked um <laughs> recently I was doing this thing with a friend where I was kind of in your position getting asked the questions mm. and um they they asked me and I actually just said my pals like like you like uh, other musicians that are around that i can have honest conversations with that are creating beautiful things that inspires me more than anything right now you know Mm -hmm. um absolutely so it doesn't always need to be untouchable kind of celeb-esque culture people you know i think Mm -hmm. it's it's really important to just be inspired by the the folk that are near to you that keep you going you know
1: I think even like you know even th- even the, the, the thing is there's, there's you can find inspiration in the seemingly most mundane of places right. you know and right. I think you know one of the things that that one of the things that really gives me a lot of uh, focus and momentum is you know I would definitely say the the community of people that I'm around in Birmingham you know mm. and this is, I'm talking about the general public you yeah. know when I see people grafting in any capacity yeah. you know parents. I find extremely, especially, you know, now from a perspective of hindsight, you know, when you think about the the horrible child that you were. Yeah, oh my God.
0: I totally relate. Like, I'm like, my mom is a fucking godsend. Like, honestly. And like, I remember, I vividly remember, like, I was such a little shit, like, when I was a kid in Mm -hmm. school. And I remember actually, like, having to like apologize to my primary school teacher like years later when I met her I was like I'm so sorry (laughs) about how I was um hold on give me one sec I need to um well can I just say thank you so much for joining me and I really hope that we actually get a chance to play some music together and hang out together I think the last time I seen you in person actually was when you won the parliamentary It was parliamentary when we
1: were just scuffing loads of free pizza. Oh my
0: God. (laughs) I I was so jealous this year because I, you know, we didn't, I didn't get to go to the, Stuff my face with doorbells no no and Prosecco
1: pizza. Did they send it? Deliveroo or
0: something? No, they didn't even I think that, that would have been too high tech for them To be honest um, If anyone's listening from the Parliamentary Dazz Awards You can still send me pizza and Prosecco if you fancy it. Um, Anyway, thank you so oh, much for joining me Thank you, so man It's been an absolute
1: pleasure You know, I, I, I'm always up for chatting And I always think it's great We need to keep the lines of communication open And, yeah. and briefly, you know, back to what you were saying about inspiration I think, you know I'm I'm looking towards eccentric people now. You know, I'm really looking forward to people. I'm looking towards people who are really, um, you know, ch- chasing their thing. And, and that can be and, and look like anything. But those are the kind of people that I'm, you know, com- coming to now and thinking, you know, these are these are the people that I want to be around. I mean, you, you look at some, you know, we think about artists and I think that's the thing about, um, sorry to, you know, to keep... Go, go, again, go, go, but, go, go, you know, please. Thinking about inspiration, you know, I saw a picture the other day, of basket with Fela Kuti, mm. with Grace Jones. Oh. We often think of, it yeah, was, it's it was amazing. That is you everything. I mean? <laughs> but this is it. We think about our idols and our inspirations in isolation. But that's, not, that's no longer something that I'm seeing. It's, it's community-driven. Yeah. When you start to realize that everything's community-driven, no one it's, exists in isolation. You know what I mean? Oh, just totally. a brief plug for my album. Oh, my God. Yeah. <laughs> Give us
0: a plug. Oh, my God. I didn't even ask. Give us a plug right now.
1: <laughs> it's all right. I know how to, I know how to work I a mean. bit. I'm, I'm, I'm a pro like this. No Absolutely. Joke. Gift of um, the gab. But, uh, you know, the, the idea of um, this is really something I'm focusing on at the moment. And the, and the name of the album is Know Them, Know Us. Mm. A combination of know as in, they're, you know, an absence of and also know to understand. Because there's a, there's a quote, from, That's um, quote, quote from Dizzy Gillespie talking about um, Louis Armstrong. No him, no me. You know Mm. what I mean? We don't exist without our mentors. We don't exist without our peers. We don't exist without our students. We don't exist without each other, you know. So it's, 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 it's all us, man, you know. So yeah, we're, we're all in this (laughs) together.
0: I cannot believe after that I was about to be like, oh my god, that is so profound, that's so beautiful, which it is. And then you finish with a fucking high school musical reference. This is why I love you. It's also so cool. Thank you very much. Oh, when does the album come up?
1: Oh, we don't know. We man. don't know. It yet. Does, it's it, in the works. Everyone, yeah, July, July, Keep July. Keep your. It's it's a lineup though, man. It's myself, Jay Phelps, Jim Bashford, and James Austin, and it features. Wow, that is uh, a Birmingham Kings. crew. Uh, it gets more Bermium, it's got Soweto Kinch features on it and Ruben James as well. Oh man
0: That's incredible. Well listen, look out for it everyone when it when it
1: arrives. Mm -hmm. Brilliant. Thank you so much. Big love. Big love. Catch you soon.